Welcome to Happy Hour with the Three Tomatoes. And no matter what time of the day you're listening, shouldn't every hour be happy? Cheers and enjoy the episode. Before we start our episode, let's talk girlfriend to girlfriend with a special message and a great offer from our friends at Pulse. We all know that when we go through menopause, we lose estrogen, but what we often don't talk about is how this can lead to intimacy issues. Sex can become uncomfortable and even painful. You may have tried personal lubes and were turned off by the sticky mess. Well, now there's a new line of awesome personal lubes that were created by a rock star team of women, doctors, engineers, chemists, and sociologists. You'll love Aloe A, a luxuriously smooth silicone-based lube with soothing aloe and vitamin E. HO2O is a natural water-based moisturizing lube made with hydrating organic chia extract, so there's no sticky icky mess here. You'll love the Pulse warming device too. Trust us ladies, the Pulse products are game changers when it comes to great sex at any age. Get 15% off all lubes with code 3TPULSE15, that's 3TPULSE15. Go to lovemypulse.com. I'm Cheryl Benton, and I'm the founder and publisher of The Three Tomatoes, and I'm the host of today's episode of Happy Hour. This episode today is for every woman out there who hasn't had much success in finding Mr. Right. We've all met a few Mr. Wrongs along the way, and some of us may have even married one of them. But our guest today has great advice on how to make better choices and how to find lasting love. B.D. Cohen is a nationally recognized psychotherapist, sex therapist, and author of For Better, For Worse, Forever, Discover the Path to Lasting Love. She's a national speaker, columnist for the Huffington Post, Thrive Global, Medium, and also the Three Tomatoes where you'll find her, Ask B.D. Column. She's also the host of the Ask BD Show, which I've actually had the pleasure of being a guest on several times, and that airs live every Monday from 3 to 4 p.m. on the Progressive Radio Network. So, BD, welcome, and it's fun to turn the tables today and have you as my guest. It's great to be with you, Cheryl. I'm so I'm so glad you're here because we're going to have such a great conversation that I know is going to help a lot of uh, a lot of women listening out there. So I know for over 35 years you've been counseling men and women who are successful in all facets of their lives except when it comes to their love lives. So why is it that when it comes to relationships, lasting love continues to elude so many smart, accomplished women, and we know a lot of them. I like to call them, I like to call this the smart women foolish choices syndrome. So what's going on here? Well, I think, first of all, I just want to give uh, our listeners an opportunity to hear about some of the really dismal statistics. And then I'm going to explain exactly why it is that we are doing as badly as we are in the world of relationships. But I have a lot of good news, too, that I really want to share. I mean, for most people, they may be surprised that the divorce rate for first marriages is 48 percent. 62% of second marriages fail and 73% of couples marrying for the third time find themselves standing before a judge in a divorce court. Wow. That is shocking. That's shocking, Beatty. Really? People are always surprised. They think the more you do it, the better you get. But in this particular um, genre, this is certainly not the case. So it has not been the case. And, you know, if you're looking at intimate partner violence, I mean, you realize that three women in the United States are murdered every single day by their so-called intimate partner. 
And one in three women and one in four men have been the victims of some form of physical violence by, again, a so-called intimate partner. And with kids, I mean, who would have ever thought, Cheryl, that dating abuse is at an all-time high and that 30% of college co-eds actually report having been sexually harassed or assaulted on campus. But the explanation, um, I really thought about this over many, many years. And when you think about it, there's still this mythical belief that love and romance should conquer all adversity, that we should yes. see somebody across the room and that we just know that they are the one. I mean, it would be terrific if that were true, but unfortunately, it is, in fact, um, a myth. Yeah, well, we're we're products of that Hollywood, <laughs> those all those Hollywood romance movies where where that happens, and and you're right, and we think that's the magical thing that's going to happen and make it wonderful. Well, it happens on the screen, but the reality is too is that you think about it, there are really few, really good role models that that people have, and if you were not lucky enough to grow up in a family where you really saw a healthy relationship. You think about it, where are we then going to learn about healthy uh, relationships? And of course, there's also a false sense of what healthy relationships are due to misleading portrayals in movies, and reality television, and, 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 and popular music. And if you look at the American school system, I mean, I've been saying this for years, Cheryl, that what is more important than teaching our children about healthy relationships? And uh, of course, many people know that I'm Canadian and I was one of three people who ran the entire school social services program for the English schools in the province of Quebec. And of course, we didn't worry about money and budgets and, 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 and health insurance. And I was able to design and implement healthy relationship programs beginning at the kindergarten level. I would bring in Marlo Thomas's record, you know, free to be you and me. So the kids learned. They learned how to express their anger and they learned how to express positivity. But these days, it simply doesn't happen. And when we look at uh, so-called healthy relationship education programs, most of it uh, is being done on a, on a crisis intervention uh, model. Yeah, that's a that's such a that's such a great point, Beatty. Because, and I think you're so right. I mean, the whole idea of actually teaching people how to how to have healthy relationships when we're at a much younger age, I'm sure would go a long way in in helping people, you know, be in healthier relationships. I mean, when you think about it, what is more important than having a loving, healthy relationship with someone who you love and somebody who really loves you? But uh, again, I think that there are few role models. And uh, I mean, I see in my private practice here in New York City and, and in East Hampton, is that uh, so many of the people of all ages and stages in life, they're just really going around in circles. But again, the good news is, is that if people are really serious uh, about doing some work, uh, they will be able to then find and maintain healthy relationships. But there's some work that needs to be done. Well, that's great. And we're going to, I want you to get into some of those with you because they're so important. And I know there's one of the things that you say that 
I really love, and it struck me the first time I heard you say that, and you said we spend more time evaluating and assessing which car or cell phone to buy than we do the person we're dating which is so true for so many of us. And I know that you've identified four key things that are important to a successful relationship. So maybe you could you could highlight those a little bit. Absolutely. The first thing, Cheryl, is that each of us needs to be in a good place emotionally, psychologically, and psychiatrically so that if we have unfinished business and the skeletons in our closet and we all certainly have had some of those it is our responsibility to take care of our issues as best as we can take care of them of course understanding that we cannot change history and that may mean some therapy short-term therapy long-term therapy taking classes going to groups because i used to tell my my daughter jordana when she was a little girl the relationship needs to be the icing on the cake. Each of us needs to be solid. Our foundation needs to be solid. Because if we walk around hoping that the prince or the princess on the white horse is gonna you know, rescue the damsel in distress, uh, we're gonna be sorely, sorely disappointed so that if we have work to do on ourselves, I really encourage people to take that step today and to do whatever it is that you need to do so that you are feeling solid, that you are feeling good about yourself, then you are able to go out and, uh, and do an in-depth, accurate assessment. Well, that is that is great advice. And then I know that you also you have this wonderful 10 step process you call uh, rate your mate. And I know you've said it starts with actually being able to take off our blinders. And as you talked about it, being willing to really look at the reality of our relationships and start to do that that work. So uh, I, I know one of the things you said is a, a, a really good first step is to start with understanding your prospective mate's family background. I find that very interesting. So why is that so important, Beatty? Well, because Cheryl, the acorn really does not fall far from the tree. And we need to know about what our potential partner has learned and has not learned about relationships. And you're not gonna put the person on trial, but you wanna know things like, for example, how were problems dealt with in your uh, parents' uh, home? Were they swept under the carpet? Uh, how was emotions dealt with, both positive and, and, and negative emotion? Was there abuse of any kind? Were your parents alcoholics? Were they drug abusers? Uh, were there any psychiatric, undiagnosed psychiatric issues that really played havoc with your, with, with your family life? Now, I'm not suggesting at all that because somebody has grown up in an unfortunate, dysfunctional, unhappy family that you are going to discard them. But what you do want to hear from your potential partner is something like this. Look, I grew up in a really tough family. My, my, my parents may have been abusive. They may have been alcoholics, but I did not want to repeat my parents' history. So what I've done, I've, I've gone to therapy, I've read, I've taken classes so that I am not going to repeat the history, the dysfunctional, sad 
history that I grew up with uh, in my life growing up. And of course, the proof is in the pudding. And I often say to people, it's not what people say, it's what they do. And of course, my research found is that it takes close to a year to really find out who somebody is and isn't, unless it's very, very clear that you've got to extricate yourself, you've got to exit from the relationship because there are a number of what I call skeletons in the closet that are so clearly visible that for your own emotional and physical and sexual safety that you need to get out of this relationship as, as soon as possible. And again, it's about being honest with yourself, but it's also about, there's a learning curve, Cheryl, where people need to actually learn what ingredients go into a healthy relationship and many many people simply do not know they have not experienced it in their own family and they're really at a loss and and though you know for example i had i had a woman in sarasota who i was treating and she grew up in a very very physically and sexually abusive home she was hit almost every single day by both of her parents wow and here she is in her 50s and she's married and uh, she came in for a consult and I was asking her about her life and, and, and her marriage. She was married to a very wealthy man and they had their planes and their trips. And she says, well, she says, I want to tell you that he, he hits me once a year. I said, he hits you once a year. You've got to be kidding me. And for this woman, it was a great improvement because she had been hit every single Oh my gosh. So obviously... Ah. She had some things to learn. We brought the husband in. She got to a place in, in, in our therapy together where she said to him, it will never happen again or I will leave you. And uh, But she didn't know. It just seemed to be better to be hit once a year than to be hit every single day. So oh, he, my gosh. That's yeah. amazing story. So let, I want to go back to the finding out about the family thing a little bit. So you're let's say you know you're dating someone. It seems to be going well. You're starting to think this could be someone I really could have a relationship with. And I know this is going to sound so strange because obviously dating is very personal, but on some level, it seems like you're going to start asking all these personal questions about their family life. So yes. how do you, how do you start that conversation with this person in a way that they don't feel threatened or put off or what, what is your advice to people on how to start to make that happen? It's such a great question, Cheryl, because the how to say it and where to say it and if to say it and when to say it and how to say all of this well is very, very important. So again, you're not going to want to put the person on trial, but you might say, you know, when I was growing up, such and such happened in my life. My father was absent and there was a lot of chaos. What was it like in 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 your family life growing up? Yeah. I mean, so start to, it with you. Start it with yourself first. To it, bring it, out. Exactly. Exactly. And remember, people really do need to want to to take the step to really get to know each other. Unless you're just looking for a hookup, and then in in that case, none of this is important at all. So you're wanting to get to know the person and what was it like and what did your father do and what did your mom do and, and what would happen, you know, if things got a little bit off track in my family, my, my mother was silent, my father wouldn't talk. I mean, you're sharing, you're sharing very personal experiences, 
But if you're wanting to have a, a serious, personal, real relationship, these are the kinds of questions. These are the kinds of discussions you want to have. It's not just about where are we going to go for dinner and what kind of food are we going to have? I mean, that's really superficial and it doesn't get to the reality of who this person really is or is not. That's great advice, Beattie. And I think I suspect that so often those conversations don't really happen when they should. And people just jump headlong into a relationship. And that's probably one of the reasons why we often do keep making the same mistakes over again. So I, I want to ask you another question because I know another of the things, and you touched on it a little bit in your rate, your mate is, is uncovering the the skeletons in the closet, whether it's alcohol or drug abuse or some other hidden thing. So my question would be, what would be the red flags if you're hearing something or seeing something from someone? Because we tend to, we as women, especially, I think we tend to want to overlook things. Right. Or we want to say, and, ha, and I wish I had a dollar for every time I've heard a woman say this, well, I can change him. I can change that about him. Or that only happened once. So what would you say to a woman who's what, what are some of those flags and when do you, when should you get concerned? Well, for example, I think that we do have to take off our blinders and, and we have to listen also very carefully. For example, I mean, if you go out with somebody and you see that the person is, is drinking too much, that is a red flag. I mean, we can, we can make all kinds of excuses. I have a patient who started dating somebody and he got drunk the, the very first night that they went out together. And he says, oh, well, it was just because I was nervous. So she took that in, of course, uh, only to discover that he had a serious, serious alcohol problem. And luckily, she was willing to look at the reality of his drinking rather than just buy into the fact that he was, you know, was nervous. You know, other kinds of things that we have to look at is are, are things like, you know, verbal abuse. How is this person talking to you? Is the person mm-hmm. res- respectful? Is the person going to put you down? Are they going to make you feel uncomfortable? In fact, anything at all, whether it's verbal or physical or sexual, that makes you uncomfortable, you need to really take note And you need to be able to give yourself permission to say to somebody, don't talk to me like this. I expect that you're going to be treating me in a respectful, caring, loving way. And we have to be honest with ourselves because I think, Cheryl, that we all know when we have that uh, feeling that something is not right. We may not know exactly what it is. But we certainly need to listen to that gut feeling and not put it under a carpet and under, you know, into a drawer, just hoping that it is going to disappear. And this is where great communication and problem solving skills are paramount if you're going to have a successful relationship with anyone. So we have to be honest. And again, anything that makes us feel uncomfortable, we should not be engaging in. Uh, whether we like the person, whether we hope we're going to marry the person, or whether we're going to have, you know, this great attraction to this person, we have to, this is where it goes back to the first thing about our being in a good place, emotionally, psychologically, right. psychiatrically. 
so that we're clear on what's okay and what is not okay and that we know the ingredients that actually have to go into a healthy long-term relationship. Right. And I know we've all heard, you know, other stories too. I mean, I've, I've talked to women who are, you know, have been dating someone for quite a while and they suddenly find out that uh, he slept with his ex-girlfriend or his ex-wife. And they seem so willing to forgive that when he comes back and says, oh, I'm sorry, it was a mistake, or he, he kind of, you know, you, you weren't around last week. You know, what, how do you deal with that scenario? Is that more about you than him? It is more about you than him. And, you know, it depends on, on where you're at with your own self-esteem. I mean, that is betrayal. And trust is so important. I mean, if two people have uh, an agreement, this is going to be an exclusive monogamous relationship. These kinds of things are not, in quotes, mistakes. They are conscious decisions that people make. And I think that this is something that should absolutely not be overlooked. And I think that people have to be clear about the kind of relationship it's going to be. Is this going to be an open relationship? Is this going to be an exclusive relationship? And what exactly does that mean to you so that you're engaging in ongoing conversation? You're not assuming anything. You're clarifying things. And again, you know, trust and commitment and honesty, if you do not have those ingredients, in your relationship, it is simply not going to work. You're going to be devastated and disappointed over and over and over again. And this is why it's the tough conversations that really need to happen. And if people are finding that they're having difficulty uh, with their communication skills or lack of or problem solving skills, uh, they need to do something about it. They they, right. they need to get some help. Right. You know, I'd like to switch for a couple of minutes because I know there are so many people doing online dating and that seems to be how everybody is meeting everyone these days. Right. And, you know, occasionally you'll hear the success story, but I, I hear not a lot of success stories and a lot of either nightmares or just not great experiences. So I, again, I would ask you there, first of all, what would be um, some of the flags that women should be looking for before they actually meet, meet the person in real life? And then the second part of that is what should you be looking at on that first date with someone you have never, you know, you've met online? Okay, I think that you're right that the majority of people these days are really meeting online and I think that after you have a few telephone conversations and, and, and emails, it is actually time to meet. I had a woman who I treated a couple of years ago and she came in for her first session with me and she told me that she was madly in love with this man and that they had been sexting and texting for a year and I said, so what does he do and what does he look like? She says, well... The reality be is that we'd never met. I said you'd never uh, met. You'd been no. emailing and sexting and texting for one year. So her homework uh, was to meet him. And they met. And uh, guess what? They never saw each other again. So I wow. love about sexting and texting and, and emailing. If you feel that there's some kind of a connection, uh, meet for coffee. 
let's get yes. the test going <laughs> and let's see if there's actually anything there other than uh, fantasy. And if there is, then you have to begin the assessment process. So whether you meet in a church or a synagogue or online, I'm not so concerned about where people are meeting. What right. I'm concerned about is that they go through my never make a mistake in love again assessment process. Then they'll be so, safe, then they'll be educated, then they will feel empowered, and then they will know who the person is or is not within about a year. And unfortunately, Cheryl, truly, this process can really not be fast forwarded. Well, that is such that's such wise, wise advice. And you've been doing it a long time. So I I, I know that uh, that that this works and it's worked for your clients. So in the last couple of minutes that we have remaining, I, I'd like to get a little personal with you because you have such a great story about finding your lasting love with your wonderful husband, Jim, who I've had a chance to meet and you're so adorable together. And I know it's a story about how you knew each other years ago and then you came back into each other's lives. So if you could, if you don't mind sharing that, I, it's a great story. And I think it's a great note to leave everyone feeling inspired and upbeat. I'm glad you asked about the story because it is a great story. Well, Jim and I dated when we were 19 years old. Uh, I had a year stint in New York City from, from Canada and we dated and he was a graduate student at Columbia and really wanted to make a commitment and I was just this 19 year old girl. I was not interested in commitments at all. So I went back to Canada and uh, I had a very, very good marriage for almost 30 years. My husband Elliot died five years ago very, very suddenly in Sarasota, which is where we were living. And uh, I had no plans to go anywhere. I had my practice, I had my life. And about a year after Elliot died, I received this email from Jim and we had had no contact whatsoever for over 35 years. And wow. as it happened, I was coming to New York to do a television show and my daughter lived in Brooklyn and uh, we met and he had been divorced after a very very long marriage and there was something there there was some spark there was some history i knew his parents i knew his grandparents but what i did do was follow my formula and i uh commuted from sarasota to new york city for almost two years just to make sure and uh, we were married uh, a little over two and a half years ago. And the interesting thing is, Cheryl, is that we live in Jim's grandparents' apartment on the Upper West Side. No. With them. Oh, that's... We were 19 years old. That what a great story and what what a great ending and what a great way to wrap up the show, because I think it really it shows that we can find love at any stage in our lives and make it lasting if we really take the time to, to, to do the work. So I can't thank you enough. We're, we're going to you know direct everyone to listen to your radio show every Monday because it's terrific. Read your book. Your book is incredible. And if people are in New York or in the Hamptons, they can actually come and consult with you and, and meet you in person. So thank you so much for doing the show today. We love you. You're going to really help a lot of women out there. I love you too, Cheryl. Talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye.